Welcome to the Success Leaves Clues podcast with Robin Bailey and Al McDonald. Have you ever wondered what makes someone successful? What are they doing that's different? How do they achieve greatness? We believe that success leaves clues. In this series, we are interviewing very successful people from different walks of life to hear their stories. We'd like to remind our listeners that the views expressed in this podcast are those of our guests and not necessarily those shared by our hosts. Welcome back to the Success Leaves Clues podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Life and Legacy Advisory Group. Are you a small business owner who thinks they pay too much in taxes? We can help. Give us a call or book a meeting by clicking the link in the show notes to book a free financial consultation so you can have peace of mind about your financial future. We are also brought to you by ARIA Benefits. If you're a business owner or HR leader and you're needing a competitive employee benefits package, we can help you too. Attracting that top talent, that's an area we specialize in. So look us up and we can certainly find something that fits your business and your budget. I'm your host, Robin Bailey, here with my co-host, and it's summertime, so it's definitely the bike rider himself, Al McDonald. Al, tell us about what's going on in your life these days. I'm sure you've been out on your bike every weekend. Every weekend so far, and it's looking like another nice weekend, so I've got a ride lined up with a buddy tomorrow. So yeah, it should be nice, and it's supposed to be a great weekend. So looking forward to it, as always. Always love being the roads on my bike. No kidding. That is Al's Zen time. Mine is hitting that's the weights it. and Al's is hitting the bike. So that's great. Joining us today, couldn't be more excited. A very good friend of the podcast made an introduction to someone and said, this person is awesome. You're just going to talk to them and then you know, you're going to want to have them on the podcast. And Rich Appia, a big shout out to you because again, a big supporter of the podcast and without a doubt, a great introduction. So joining us today is Jeff McLeod. Jeff is the owner of the award-winning painting company, J. Davis Painting in Toronto. But before Jeff ever wore those iconic pants, those white pants that are iconic to that profession, he grew up in Prince George, BC. Through and through, he's a small town boy who loves nothing more than being outside with his fiance and his dog. Jeff also has a passion for travel. He has lived abroad in Italy, Ukraine, Ecuador, and the US and has traveled to some 30 other countries around the world, in many cases, volunteering in villages in poverty-stricken areas. He's been settled in the east end of Toronto for several years and calls the neighborhood of Little India home. Jeff and his partner, Kirsten, started Jay Davis painting less than three years ago, but they're already one of the largest, maybe the largest, east end-based painting companies in Toronto. Jeff, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to chat with you guys. Well, we're all dog people here, so I got to ask you right <laughs> off the bat, what kind of dog do you have? Ozzy Shep. She's about two and a half years old, so still a lot of spunk, but beginning to slow down a little bit. Ah, so you're like Al. Al has one of those breeds, not the same as yours, but very close, that are almost too smart for their own good. The Australian Shepherd is certainly one of those, and Al, what yours is a Shetland? Sheltie. We have Sheltie. two Shelties. One's yes. just about approaching a year, so he's still just got tons of energy. Oh, Yeah. Or within about a month of doing the, you know, so oh, maybe that'll slow him down a little. You don't bit. say it out loud. You don't want. I don't. To yeah, just for, in case he overhears. For people on audio, the snip snip just came across the screen. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just don't want uh, the dog to overhear. He'll know where we're taking him. <laughs> it's good to have an active dog. So then, when you're doing activities like you're saying, Al, uh, being out and about, it's nice to have a dog that can keep up on hikes and camping. And we take banjo canoeing with us. Banjo, banjo, banjo. I like that name, great yeah. name. 
And you're so right, Jeff. So just talking about exercise and habits that form over time, my wife and I both had dogs growing up, both had dogs in most of our adult life. It's only been the last couple of years that we haven't had a dog. And it's funny, as young adults, we wouldn't have considered ourselves, you know, walkers. But when you have a dog, you just, that's part of the deal. You're walking a couple of times a day. And to this day, even though my wife and I don't have dogs anymore, you know, we're pretty consistently hitting our 10,000 steps a day just because that habit was ingrained when we had our animals. So you're right. It's it's a great excuse to have, like, if you have a dog, you're just like, well, there's no choice. I just got to get out. So good for you. Well, Jeff, sometimes with companies like yours, you find like they're all painted with the same brush. Like, there's a little cheese here on a Friday recording. So I thought I'm I'd good. throw it in. I'm all for it. Keep them rolling. I, I got that too. I thought that was a good lead in to when I was talking to Rich, he had mentioned that he thought we should talk because you're doing some things that are a little bit different with your team and your staff that other businesses in your field aren't doing. Can you maybe talk to us a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah. So we're a residential and commercial painting company. We do interiors, we do exteriors. And most of our competitors, most people in this industry, and I can say this probably for a lot of trades, the owner of that company started out as a technician. So they may have started out as a painter after three, four, five years, they became quite proficient at it. And then one day they get pissed off at their boss and they go, well, what's so special about you? Like, screw you, man. Like, I don't need to work here. And then they go out and they start their own painting company. And for a lot of painting companies, a lot of trades companies in general, that's how it starts, right? And then they find out very quickly that the business side of running the business is quite difficult, right? The painting side, they have a proficiency in, but the actual generating leads, doing sales, you know, selecting and training people, all that stuff is actually quite difficult. So that's where we set ourselves apart a little bit is that I got a bit of a know-how in painting early on in my life. And then I went off and had a professional career. And then I came back to this industry just a few years ago. And I'm able to take a lot of what I learned at working for larger companies and really well-run businesses and be able to apply that to what we're doing with our company, right? So as a result, we're a very, very values-driven organization. We hire predominantly for character and then we train for skill. Of course, we want people to come with painting skills, but what's more important to us is that they come with great character, right? Because we can't really train up for that. And that permeates through a whole bunch of things in our company. We do a lot of activities to try to engage people on a values level. So as an example, one of our core values is that we build community. And so we allow our painters to take one day off a year to go volunteer for whatever cause they care about, and we'll pay them for that day, right? Because we want them being involved in their community and helping build their community. So there's a number of things that we do like that. Actually, even our core values were something that we put together really in conjunction with our team. We knew that as a company, we needed to be values driven. And so we wanted to have core values, but we didn't want to make them up at the top and then just like shove them down the throats of our team. So instead, we waited until we had a really good culture of people and just kind of felt like we were clicking in the right direction. And then we hired actually a friend of mine who's an HR consultant from Entry Learning Co., Morgan Tone, to lead us through a process where we extracted the core values from our team. So it was an interesting process to go through. And ultimately, we ended up with values that were driven by our team so that they're bought into them a lot more. It's quite unique. And I do want to go back and I want to talk about you starting this company with Kirsten. Am I saying your name correctly? Kirsten. Yeah, Kirsten. (laughs) Because I know, because I think that's interesting. But I think what's also very unique to you is 
I generally don't think of a painting company when I'm thinking about core values and really spending the time to identify those and then hiring people and looking for people that align with those values. It's funny, I was chatting, doing a a discovery meeting with an 80 life company. And one of the things, and I think that's why we align, is one of the things that's really important to us is we call them guiding principles. And we have six of them. And I go through those in a discovery call with a new prospect because I let them know as here's what we believe in. Here's what's really important to us. And here's what's really important to our team. And I want to share those with you because if you align with that with us, we're going to do great work together. But it's okay if we don't. I can always, you know, I can try to put you in touch with someone else who's maybe going to align better with you. But I think it's very unique that a company like yours, because this 80 Life company I was reviewing this with, they didn't have core values. And this was a very well-established company. And the chief people officer that I got off the phone with said, that's the very first thing I'm going to go and do. I'm going to make sure we have some values and you've given us a great idea. So I think especially that you've done that early on with your business is incredibly important. And I think it's going to help support the culture that you're trying to grow. The problem Um, that you run into when you don't have core values that you can lean on and look to as guiding lights is that you might end up with the wrong person in the right seat. Sometimes you hear there's HR jargon about getting the right people in the right seat in the bus. And you could end up with somebody who's a really high performer, like they do proficient at that specific task, but they're a cancer to your culture, right? People don't like working with them. They're always complaining, but proficient at whatever their specific responsibility is. And then you end up kind of your hands tied. You're like, well, they're good at their job. So like, what do we do? Whereas when you start culture first, then you get the right people in there. Then you figure out where they go and who can be proficient and how to train people into that role. That's what we found anyways. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting that you have brought this up. We're hearing a lot more, like some other people that we've had on the podcast have talked about this as well and HR people, but also business owners. So I do, I want to dig down a little bit though. When you went through this exercise with your employees, was mm-hmm. there anything that came out of it that maybe you were surprised about? Like that you didn't like, <laughs> I don't know, wasn't your value, so to speak, or that came out that you just, it made you, you were surprised. About? Yeah, there's a few things. So I'm glad you asked that. Thanks, Al. So first off, the process was we got together, we had our whole team together and just at our house, because we don't really have like an office yet. And my friend Morgan was facilitating a session. And the question that he asked everybody was, J. Davis painting at its best, whether you've experienced it or whether you can just like imagine it in the future, at its best, what does it look like? And people had to write down just like five to seven word answers. You know, people want to come here to become great painters. People hire us because they only want the best, they, whatever, they, whatever idea that they thought was the best version of J. Davis painting. And then we took those, we put them up on a wall. We looked at them all. We started grouping them into common themes and from that built out our actual core values. And one of the ones that surprised me the most that I was actually like, this is an example. I really didn't want to shove this down people's throats because if it comes from me, comes from the top, they might reject it. And that was to build community. And there was a couple of people on our team who really pointed out how important it would be for us to build community. And as we like dug into that discussion a little bit with our team, we discovered that they were talking about it on a few different levels. One was community within our organization, team members, right? Celebrating one another and being supportive to one another and helping one another out. And then a second level, which was with our clients and the people we serve. So building relationship that's more than just transactional paint job for money, but actually like getting to know them. 
And then finally, the overall like communities that we work in and supporting those neighborhoods. And I didn't think that that was going to come from this exercise. I really didn't expect people to be thinking because that's very much not thinking of yourself. It's so much bigger, right? And often core values are focused on who we are. We are problem solvers. We are, you know, great attitude. We are whatever. And this I felt was kind of flipped it out and was looking out and bigger and beyond than just ourselves. So I was really proud in that moment. I got to tell you, I was really proud in that moment, really happy that that was coming ground up. A little bit reaffirming too, that we have indeed the right people, that we selected the right people if, if that uh, came out without being prompted. So that was surprising for us and delightful. I hope we get a chance to dig in a little bit more because it relates to that about some of the volunteering you've done. So maybe we can talk a little bit about that later. But I also found it was interesting that you used the word serve in the clients that we serve because other people might not look at it that way. And again, it's probably reflective, I'm guessing, of your core values that you've already come up with. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. I mean, our belief around customer service is that we're in this together. I know some people like they're over here on one side and they hire their trade or or whoever it is, their project manager, and then they're battling the whole time to get the job done. One guy's trying to send change orders and get extra money out of them. And the other person's trying to get it done on time and without getting the budget out of control. And it's just fight, fight, fight. And we take approach where we go side by side and we walk together across the finish line. And that's how we view a project with somebody. And when we do that approach, to be honest, it's a lot more fun, right? It's a lot more fulfilling to think of our client as our partner in this project. And that's why we kind of frame it around how we serve. Jeff, can you talk about what plans you have for your company that maybe excite you for the future? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we got a lot of plans. So we're trying to grow a lot right now, but we're trying to do it in a way that's really healthy for our staff and for our culture. You know, that's the number one thing for us is is protecting our team and making sure that we have the right people on board. And we know that when we do that, then everything kind of falls into place. So one of the big plans that we have is we're trying to get started with what we call Paint It Forward events. So Paint It Forward events would be an event where we identify some type of community serving group in the neighborhoods that we work in and then doing like a charity paint for them. Right. So we have a goal maybe in the next year or so to start. We already did one small test version of this with a woman who had been displaced from the war in Ukraine. And so we painted her basement suite. And now we're trying to figure out how to do more of these events really for more like community serving groups. So whether that is like a boys and girls club or a local Y or a dojo or some type of uh, like art center for kids or something like that, something that's serving the community. And we would try to organize a number of other businesses to help support in that as well. If we can find a landscaping firm that can pitch in and if we can find an interior designer, we've got one in mind, you know, who would be willing to give their services for free and do like a full facelift for a community group. Maybe we'll see you on TV and maybe you'll displace some of those rental. I won't say any names, but you know, those, <laughs> those ones you see on the outdoor network or whatever, we'll see you in there. Yeah, hopefully. (laughs) We did one with a YouTube influencer named Alexandra Gator, who's phenomenal. She's Toronto based and she does makeovers for like really small living spaces, like 500 square feet or less. And she was trying to expand into like full homes. So she did her childhood home, her parents' place. And we did the painting for that. And it was a fantastic experience. Like it was super fun. She's very good. There's like, I'll send the link to you guys. Maybe you can put it in the description of the show. But for a certain demographic in Toronto, they know her. She's got like a half a million YouTube subscribers. Very cool. Very neat. You might be the next YouTube sensation then. (laughs) (laughs) You never know. 
So, Jeff, in these episodes, we're always trying to tease out clues, right, to help other people. And the audience uh, really for us is business owners, entrepreneurs, CEOs, people in HR, chief people officers. And I think we're halfway through the conversation and you've already left several clues about (laughs) running a great business, attracting great people. But what I'm personally going to take away from this and talk to Al about is as a business owner ourselves, we do community work. We make donations. I mean, Rich just did the ride for the cancer. You know, we always support and stuff like that. But I don't think we've ever even chatted about if an employee were to approach and say, hey, can I get a day off because I want to support this in the community? What a brilliant idea. And my hope is by us talking about this, because I don't track numbers on the podcast. I did in the very beginning and then someone took over and we just record now. So I don't pay attention to it. However, having said that, the person that manages the podcast for us told us our listenership increased by 617% over the last month. Wow. And it's bananas. And it's on a global scale right now. And as you're talking about getting involved in the community, and we'll come back to that toward the end. I think we'll get into it with Al's signature question so we can talk about it more. But my hope would be that if we're having a conversation with you and we just got a great clue that we can implement to our company, those listenerships across the world. I mean, someone we know people are listening in Stockholm, Sweden, and there's a chief people officer I know specifically that listens to this podcast. (laughs) And imagine if that starts to take hold, that little clue. I mean, what a fantastic episode that we've done together if if that can kind of amplify and and we can support (laughs) that. So I just wanted to point that out and shout that out because I think that's uh, great. And I know Al and I both will come away and and chat about that. And I love Um, the name too of painting it forward. Yes, yes, exactly. I can't take credit for that. There's a man in the US who did that. And he has a nice little, if there's any painting companies out there, Google paint it forward. And you'll see that they have a nice little system for how to deliver this. And very cool. Very cool. Very neat. Well, you started this company, you know, you're doing a great job, but I want to give you the, the what if scenario. For whatever reason, you had to give it up all today. It doesn't exist anymore. You had to start something new. What would it be? Because I have a, I have a feeling you've probably thought about this before. There's probably more than one idea in your in your mind. I think it's really important to stay focused on things and to not start too many things at once, right? So right now we're really laser focused on like making this paint company great and growing it to a certain size. But if I had to go and start it all again or do something totally different, I think I'd probably want to do something more in full-on trades, building, construction. I mean, I think everybody knows in Canada and the U.S., we need more housing. And so I really love the problem solving. It's a higher level of problem solving. you got more chess pieces moving around. And I think that would be a really interesting problem to tackle, specifically maybe like laneway suites or maybe something to deal with density inside the city because it's important. It's important for quality of life. It's important for uh, sustainability of the environment. And I think it'd be a fun challenge. That is a very good answer. And again, Al, when we do get to your signature question, I just have a funny feeling Jeff is going to have a really good answer or a few answers yeah, around that. A few, I think. There's going to be a lot to unpack. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. So Jeff, final question before we get to the final question. Does that make sense? <laughs> what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? I think I'd probably want to go into like professional speaking. I've always enjoyed public speaking. I was a PA for a public speaking class when I was in university. And I've always really enjoyed that and did a little bit of professional speaking early on in my career. I think it'd just be fun. I think it'd just be fun. It's a lot of prep work. I know that it's one of those things I say, if I had more time, I would have 
written a shorter letter. I think it's the same thing when you're professional speaking. It's a lot of time to get it down to be concise and nice and, and powerful, but delivering that I think would be really fun. So I have to ask a follow-up question because mm -hmm. uh, this plays right into some of the questions that I literally do ask my clients, you know, and they will give me an answer like this. So the follow-up question is, well, what's stopping you? Well, I think that's, I think what I said before about like having blinders on, I think to be highly successful, you got to be somebody who can be laser focused, right? It's really easy, especially once you start to taste a little bit of success to see other opportunities and say, oh, why don't we do that too? Or this one actually is a better opportunity than the one that we're already 10 steps down the path on or that sort of thing. And I think you got to get focused until you're able to remove yourself from the equation. So maybe in three to five years from now, when I find a GM, who can take the reins of Jay Davis painting, that'll be the time. Something you can pursue. Well, I think if this podcast is any indication, you'd be successful as a <laughs> public speaker because you are well-spoken. I got to ask a question before we go on our signature. I got to ask a question because I'm very comfortable in a podcasting format. I love chatting with people. You know, I love that opportunity to put the phones away and put email away and connect one-on-one, -on -one. <laughs> but I am terrified, Jeff, of public speaking. I would be so nervous. So are there any tricks or hacks that you have? You know, you're addressing 50, 100 people in a, in a room. How do you put those nerves away and get through and have, like you said, an impactful presentation? My experience is, and I think everybody's a little bit different, but my experience is show up well-prepared. When you're well-prepared, then you can put some of what you're doing on autopilot and like you mess up a little bit and hopefully those mess memories will kick in a little bit. And then the other one is big smiles and go slow. Right. When you're in front of an audience, just slow it down, big, deep breaths. And the more you smile, the more they give you that energy back. And then you're able to have a little bit more confidence. And once you build your confidence up, right, like once you win over a crowd, then it's easy. Then it's easy. Like, oh, yeah, these guys love me. OK, now I can go on with my thing. So that's why low and slow and big smiles wins the day at the start. Well, I think you'll appreciate this too. And I can't say about public speaking, but maybe there's more of that in my future. But the big smile also works when you're traveling. I found mm -hmm. because I've had chats with people and they said, well, you know, you're going to this spot. They're not friendly. And I've always believed it's what you put out. Maybe you'll encounter people that are just doesn't matter what you do. They're not going to be friendly to you. But I found my wife and I, anytime we have a smile on our face and we make an effort in the local language, it's always reciprocated. Right. So I think that's good advice for those public speaking. Put that big smile out there for most of us we're going to smile back and realize that this is a person who's standing up there in front of us. And I think generally we want to see that person succeed. So that's great advice. I've been looking forward to this with you, especially I'll signature question. Cause again, you've already talked about a lot of this in my mind. I don't know if the answer is going to be different or it'll be the same, but I have a feeling you've given this some thought over your life. So Al, <laughs> we'll let you take it away. I'm not telling you how to answer the question, but I hope we will hear a little bit maybe about some of that volunteer work that you've done. Maybe that will come up. So the question is this, a society grows great when old persons plant trees in whose shade they will never sit. So can you talk about any of those proverbial trees that you might be planting? Uh, yes, the famous question. <laughs> I think that I had a number of great mentors who showed me what serving leadership looked like. And one of the biggest lessons that I learned from them was to be graceful in all of your actions, that the more success or more power, or more influence that you have, the more important it is to be graceful. And that means being a go-giver, being somebody who leads by giving first and not worrying about what the score is and whether it's going to come back. So I believe that it's valuable to lead from that perspective, particularly somebody who 
is coming up in their career or doesn't have as much influence as you, then it's important to provide them a platform or to pick up their coffee or pick up their bill or to help in whatever way possible. Because when you're low and going up, nothing feels better than a helping hand, right? And so I, I think it's important to give those helping hands in, in whatever way possible to give people a benefit of the doubt, to support them and to build people up around you. And the result is that it's going to be better for everybody. It's going to be better for yourself, for that person, for everyone around them. Yeah, that's the perspective that I take on it. Well, I love that answer. And I've picked up a couple of things already that we've talked about the community. We've talked about the day that you give and you've dropped a couple of little phrases. And again, you just dropped one there. And again, I am going to steal it, a go-giver. I haven't heard that before, but I think it's great. <laughs> and I'm going to store that one away and see where I can use it in the future. Any closing thoughts? Can you talk a little bit about some of the community efforts, though, that you've done, some of your volunteer efforts in some of the other countries? I would love to hear a little bit about that before we sign off. Yeah, absolutely. So I think we all know that success is not a linear path, right? It's like a scatter plot. And sometimes it's interesting how you end up where you ended based on the, the road that brought you there. So in my case, I ended up for a period of time working as an international tour guide where I would take high school and university students abroad all over the world to build classrooms and water projects and clinics in some of the most poverty stricken regions of the planet. So this was in the mass MR of Kenya. This is in West Africa and Ghana, in India and rural China, the Amazon of Ecuador and, and the Andes there in Nicaragua, Dominica, all over the world. And for several years, we'd take these young students abroad, and we would spend time learning about leadership, learning about culture in that area, and volunteering. And I think that that combination is powerful because the more you learn about others and the more you give, the stronger sense of self-worth you have. And so looking to give in that perspective and to learn and to be open-minded, of course, is good for the community that you're visiting, but it's also a little selfish because it's good for your own confidence. It's good for your own soul. It's good for your own self-esteem. And so I spent two years doing that. I probably did 25 trips all around the world, got to see incredible things, got to learn from incredible communities, and got to see a bunch of young people as with make huge strides in who they are as people and individuals. I'm glad I asked that question because that's a pretty impactful answer. And I'm glad you shared that with us. And I think you've already planted a bunch of trees. Sounds like innumerable trees that you may not see the shade from, but you've already done it. So thank you for sharing that. Thank you, Al. Well, again, I'll be reaching out to Rich Appia to say uh, thank you very much, because again, this has been a phenomenal question. This is one of those uh, episodes where I leave just feeling really good and energized and so <laughs> glad that we've met and we've become part of your community now. So I want to thank you for joining us today and sharing your story. What's the best way for people to reach out to you if they have questions about yourself or what you're doing at your company? Yeah, social media is probably best. We're at J Davis Painting on Instagram. We're at J Davis Painting TO on uh, Facebook. Those are the best places to reach out. You can send us a message or tag us in a post. Okay, awesome. Well, that does it for today's episode. As you can tell, Al and I both really enjoyed this conversation. As always, I hope you did too. If you have any questions for Al or myself, please feel free to give us a call or joining the conversation on LinkedIn. Clearly, Jeff has shown us success leaves clues. We'll see you next time.